Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Pick up! Pick up! That's how we, I, I guess that's what you call Bill's fever, right? <laughs> everybody, everybody, welcome to Believe in Bill's podcast on Sirius XM, brought to you by uh, Power 96.5 and Bet Online. We have a great show today and I have a great guest. And, you know, this is our, like our first inaugural show. And, you know, we wouldn't be on this platform if it wasn't for this guy. Um, you know, we got Justice General in here. We got Pro Bowler Ruben Brown in the building. But our special guest is no other than the legendary New York Giant himself, Kyle Banks, Wall of Fame, Hall of Fame guy. Welcome to Believe in Bills. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. You guys, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here on the show. Absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, I guess... Um, uh, we have some things in common now, now that, uh, yeah. you know, y'all got our old offensive coordinator, y'all got our GM, uh, you know, how are things, how are things uh, happening for uh, the Giants organization, uh, you know, with those two guys being in the fold? Man, I got to tell you, you guys sent us a good one. Like the culture in the building is incredible. The players love him. I've had a chance to spend some time with Dave's, you know, he's a cigar guy. I smoke cigars. So every once in a while we, we get a chance to, ch to chop it up, man. And he's just a great guy, man. Just a really, he's different. Like he is, he is exactly uh, what this organization needed. You know, he's, um, he's not the guy that came in to say, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna just kind of, patchwork this thing between him and Joe Shane, this is a complete rebuild. It's not a renovation. You know what I mean? Like some coaches come in and they look at the pieces they have and they try to make it. And they're like, you know, the ownership gave them the, the uh, wrecking ball and say, you know, build it the way you want it. And so it's a complete, it's a complete uh, new construction and it, it, it's, it's a good energy in the building. No doubt. No doubt. All right, Rube, you go. Yeah, yeah, Ruben here, uh, Mr. Brinks. It's a what's up, Ruben? It's Carl, man. Call me Carl. Hey, man. I sometimes, you know, I get in that that way because I've always looked up to you. You like a, my big brother, my uncle, you know, oh, type man. figure. So I try to show that respect. Um, I got mad love for you, and I got tons Appreciate of questions. <laughs> you know, uh, as a uh, a, a retired player that stays involved with the, the Giants and the, mm -hmm. their organization in that area, and I'm sure you do a lot of appearances and promotions for them. Uh, how often do they uh, pull you aside and ask you about your success and if they are doing the things around the organization that you can see? That, uh, um, basically, you know any what? input. Yeah, do they ask yeah, you? Do so they talk to you? So what is what has happened um, since uh, Joe and Brian have been here in this whole regime, 
you know, they understand the legacy of Giants football, um, but it was, you know, there was a legacy in the 80s and 90s and a little bit in the 2000s, but it's been seven or eight years, right? So now they're, they, they pull on, you know, some players that have been part of the building the championship culture here. Um, he's had me speak to some of the rookies. You know, we, we, we talk a lot, but listen, they have their own plan. And listen, they're not, they're not, um, they're not, um, they don't lack knowledge and talent themselves as individuals, right? Um, Joe, Joe has been a part of some great organizations. Uh, Brian Dable has six Super Bowl rings, I believe, five or six Super Bowl rings, uh, five, five pro rings, and I think two college. So he's, they, you know, they kind of understand it, what championship culture is about, but just having players in the building that wore the uniform uh, that's been a part of the organization in a positive way. Um, he's called on us to, you know, do a few things. That's that's amazing because, you know, it, it's really tough to navigate the uh, New York landscape. Now, Buffalo is New York. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that from time to time. I didn't even know it myself, Carl, when I was drafted by the Bills. I I didn't know where Buffalo was. You thought but, uh, y'all you thought you was in Canada? Yeah, totally. When we, <laughs> when I got here, I was like, where I was at? Um, but my my good teammate Keith Hamilton told me I was in a good spot. So yeah, I, the hammer. Yeah, you went to school at Pitt, right? Yes, I went to Pitt, and also a, a Hammer and I played against each other in high school. So we grew up. Okay, together. cool. Yeah, we're longtime uh, uh, friends, and both of us were born in New Jersey. I was born in Inglewood and moved to Virginia, and like him, sure. his family moved down. Virginia and so forth nice. so the relationship goes but uh okay Beautiful. you know um he's a he's an eclectic dude and uh you've played with many a guy similar to him or you know like the hammers <laughs> of the yeah. NFL um on the Giants team right now do you see any guys that resemble any of that uh, type of moxie or attitude to a game to the game? You know, that's an interesting question um, because the game has changed so much that, and I and, and you know, the further you're away from it, um, if you played it at a high level, you you tend to appreciate good play no matter what the rules are. Uh, but I was having this conversation with um, Devin McCourty about a month ago because this debate was going on as to whether, you know, today's players could have played in my era or my era of player could play in today's game. And I'm like, talent is talent, right? I'm like, there are many of players that play today that could physically play in the 80s and 90s. And I think players in the 80s and 90s could play in today's game from a skill set standpoint. Um, because if people say, well, the rules could, you know, could a guy like Ronnie Lott or uh, Bruce Smith be able to play? The I'm like, you're assuming that they weren't smart people, right? right. 
They're smart enough. Like, the reason the rules are changed today is because of guys like them, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They were able they, – they, the rules changed because of them. So they had to adjust uh, just yeah. based on um, what the rules did to them. But I would say the biggest difference, and I can't um, I can't say whether they could adjust or not, is the mental aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the mental game in the the um, 80s and 90s, because you know practices were different, the approach to the game was a lot different, mm-hmm. and games were you know more violent. Let's be honest, mm-hmm. because of the um, the the rules were different. Mm-hmm. And so I think physically, could you take Aaron Donald and put him in today's game? Could you put Josh Allen in, in yesterday's game? Hell yeah. Right? Like they're just as good. But um and then some some players mentally, mentality wise, can play in any era. Yeah. Right. And I don't doubt that about uh the group of players that play in today's game. Could um, Jalen Ramsey, does he have a dog in him that could play in the 80s and 90s? Absolutely he could, right? Um, but there's plenty, like like Stefan Diggs, right? He's a dog, period. Put him in any era. He's, he's going to be a dog, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I appreciate the players today. Um, I do believe physically um, it could go either way, but I just think the mental aspect of it, some – some players that are good today probably couldn't play uh, mentally hold right. up in, right. in a game um, that was played on different terms. Because, I mean, I, I'm looking at this clip of um, Micah Parsons getting checked uh, by, by Leonard, Fournette. Leonard Fournette, right? Yeah. Like, Micah yeah. was good with it for a while until people start going – yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? That's football, bro. Yeah. Like, that's the objective. They're 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 supposed yeah. to hit you when you ain't looking. Yeah. Like be glad, <laughs> be glad that they they are no longer allowed to hit you below the waist when they do that. Oh, or they oh. used to have it where it was above the knee. Mm-hmm. Dude, they used to have some guys that would hit you on the thigh. Right, I don't know what that board is. That thigh board, you yeah, probably couldn't yeah. walk for like half a game after that. So they it changed the rules the to make them scoop. better. And um, and I was shocked that 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 Vaughn said that they need to get it out of the game. I'm sure it would make it a lot easier for him to yeah. break every record in the world. Um, but um, it's just part of the game, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think Michael Parsons knew that he was a little upset. Yeah. You know, and he called it a bitch move or whatever it was, but it's you know that's part of the game. He gets it. He gets it's it. And he knows the better he plays, yeah. the more attention he's gonna get, right? Uh, so, um, but also like on your your original point, we you you said it towards the Giants, um, yeah. a guy like Leonard Williams, okay. Dexter Lawrence, um, a Dory Jackson. Um, Julian Love would have a place in a in, in a uh, era before he played. Um, I think these two young players that they got at tackle, I'm starting to see a little dog in them. Like Andrew Thomas is is uh, his second year, and Evan Neal is his first. But 
they got a little something to them too, because they're not they don't seem to be scared, but it's it's yet to be seen, right? right, right. Uh Xavier McKinney is a kid that could probably play in, in any era. So I mean you can look at a team and you know, talent is talent, but like it's the mentality that you play with. Um yeah. that and then you know, back to Vaughn. So the greatest closer, and I played with Lawrence Taylor, but the greatest closer the game has ever seen, period, is Bruce Smith. Oh, right? Game on the line, and you need somebody to close it out. And I say, I would say it if Lawrence was sitting right next to me, and Lawrence was no slouch, right? He's right. the greatest defensive player uh, in this game. But Bruce Smith is the greatest closer I've ever seen in football. Like, when you need a play in the fourth quarter, Bruce Smith, like, just go back and look at the film. Yeah. Every four, he's closing out a game, forcing a turnover, yeah. forcing a fumble, getting a big sack. Um, I think Von Miller is 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 today's closer, right? Like when people say, um, "Well, is there a difference between him and Khalil Mack?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" Like, <laughs> uh, if it ain't going well for Khalil early in the game, it ain't going well for him late in the game. But Vaughn, like. He may not have any, he may not make any noise for two and a half quarters, but when it's time to make a play, he's the guy, right? So you're not like um, shutting him down. He's going to make plays and he makes impact plays. That's the difference between a Khalil Mack and a, a Von Miller. They could have similar stats, and one guy's impact with the same stats is going to be different than the other guy. So speaking of teams, you, you mentioned uh, how, you know, a good team is a good team or good players are good players, rather. And of course, you know, being a superstar at Michigan State, uh, playing in a couple of Super Bowls, uh, you know what a good team looks like or a great team even. Uh, does that translate to today's game versus when you played? And do you see any of those uh, in the Giants organization right now? Um, so that, that has left the building here, uh, at, at the giants, um, they're, they're hoping to get to be, um, a consistent team. You gotta be a consistent team before you can be a good team and you gotta be good before you can be great. Right. Um, I think modern era, obviously the blueprint are the new England Patriots. They've won more in, you know, the last decade than any other team ever, but, a great team, I would say, is um, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're consistent, they're good, and they're great when they need to be, right? Yeah. I think just below them is the team in Buffalo, and that was a matter of 15 seconds, was it, Mook? 13. What was that last play? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. – um, but that, that loss, I think – propels the Buffalo Bills to a different mindset. I remember um, when the 1985 Bears um, were the thing, and we thought we were the best defense in football. We played them in the NFC Championship game, and we lost. And we left that game knowing that there was still another level to go to. So obviously that following year we went and won the Super Bowl and we dominated um, the whole season. And I think that's where 
um, Buffalo is now. They're they're that team that's going on. They're going. They're consistent. They're really good. They're going on to be a great team, and I think they're going to be built uh, to win consistently um, because they're right there right now. Absolutely, man. We brought this up last week when we talked. Remember, guys, when I was talking about the momentum that you build once you start winning and getting that taste in your mouth? Yeah. It gets it becomes infectious. And then once that culture is of winning, you know, everybody's bought, bought in. You know, yeah. a loss here and there is a growing step for good teams, for great teams. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, like the Detroit Pistons back in the day. Yeah. You know, when they lost and they lost, but then they went made it over the hump. You're right. I feel the Buffaloes and Buffalo's in that same position. Um, and I know this week they're playing a, a team that's a, a real competitor that the uh that the Giants actually, you know, will came back on this week. And the Titans, Titans, Titans are competitors. They're they're definitely a, a team you gotta face. Uh, what did you yeah, take away they were, from that you know, Titans game? They were a playoff team, um, mm -hmm. but you know, after seeing them up close and personal, and you know, the the Giants don't have the talent base that Buffalo has. Mm -hmm. um, their the Giants quarterback is not playing with the same confidence as Josh, right? So um, I don't think Tennessee is going to put up uh, much of a fight against if Buffalo comes to play like they did last Thursday, sheesh, forget it. Like they just serve notice on the entire league. Like you, you know, we're, we got a bitter taste in our mouth after that playoff loss and we know what it takes now. So we're going to start early and just keep going. I don't see Tennessee um, being a team that can, that can do a lot against Buffalo. I really don't. <laughs> no, I don't think they got the weapons. What I mean, they're a playoff caliber team, but, yeah. you know, the Giants put together a great game plan of, um, you know, containing um, King Henry. And then, you know, they just did what they needed to do. But it's like Buffalo's at a different level. Like, they're they're just at a different level. Yeah, yeah, that, especially with their defense being as effective as they are with Vaughn. Uh, I think this is just another uh, opportunity for the Bills to move closer to their goal, you know, yeah. and, and stay true to what they set for themselves. I mean, uh, uh, I, I I myself. I get a little nervous with Tennessee, um, Carl. We lost to them two years in a row. Well, see, that's the thing. Now, and Carl knows this, and then you've played those teams that just are pain in your ass. Yeah, you know, yeah. you 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 could go out and you, you practice, you're ready for all the all the teams, and you can you know what to do. You beat them, but then it's that team that when you play them, it's almost like college rivalry. You know, all bets yeah. are off, and they somehow, you know, throw a, a cog in the in the um, mess up the whole thing. So, yeah, uh, Tennessee's has been that for the Buffalo <laughs> so over the years. That's that goes to the old saying: styles make fights, 
right? Yeah. There are yeah. just certain teams that, you know, when you look at like this uh, Triple G um, Canelo matchup, right? right? It just, it just stopped. Like they could go on individually and beat everybody, but when they come to each other, it always is the style of those two fighters that, you know, that makes it more difficult. And I, I, I get your point because when I played, it was um, the Philadelphia Eagles and we owned the Washington Redskins at the time. But then um, the Redskins couldn't beat the Eagles. I mean, right. the Eagles couldn't beat the Redskins. So we couldn't beat the Eagles, but the Eagles couldn't beat the Redskins and we owned the Redskins. So that's how yeah. we were running through the NFC East. Right, right. So I understand. That's so what, we, we do have a, a short up defensive line now, or at least it looks short up uh, from last week's perspective. Um, you know, Tim Settle, uh, Jordan Phillips and all those guys, they look like they were stopping to run pretty well. Of course, you know, uh, they don't have Derrick Henry, so it's a different animal. But I feel like this year we should have a better shot at that being a better matchup for us because mm-hmm. we have a much better defensive line this year. Yeah, that helped. I mean, listen, it, the key is getting Henry running sideways, but don't let him turn the corner on your on your smaller defensive backs. But it's just like you said, it's up front. It, it all starts with that front four. If you can, if you can get some push at the line of scrimmage and set the edge, uh, you'll have a decent chance. I mean, you're not going to stop the dude. He's just too good, but you can contain him. Yeah, and, you know, with the new additions that we got on the flip side of that, we do got Roger Saffold. We do got David Questenberry. Those two guys was blocking for Derrick Henry last year, so now those two guys are Buffalo Bills. And we do have Daquan Jones that was a defensive tackle for Tennessee last year. Now he played defensive tackle for us. So that's one guy that I know that's not going to be scared of Derrick Henry. You know, when it comes to that. So, and we True. owe Derrick Henry, by the way, because last time he played, <laughs> yeah. you know, he ran for 200 yards against uh, us. Yeah. And I'm quite sure that your boy Dable has been on the line with Coach McDermott and Leslie Frazier on uh, giving them a few tips. Yeah. Uh, well, Leslie did a hell of a job last week, man. Um, and I think he's got something to prove, too, you know, just w- just based on the way things ended. And, and Leslie's a hell of a coach. But, you know, we are also looking at a different NFL um, because, you know, used to say, well, you know, if you can keep time of possession and hold the ball, you keep their best player off the field. Now, nah, these cats is like, Dabo's like, no, we scoring points. Yeah. Like, if we score enough points, we can eliminate him too because yeah. then they got to pass the football. So um, that I think that's got to be the approach, especially – with the way the Buffalo Bills offense is playing, just score points. And then that that will take them out of their running game. Yeah, typically they're good at moving the ball. And then, or at least last year versus Tennessee, they had trouble in the red zone. And that was where we yeah. messed up because we allowed them to stay in the game because we're kicking field goals and whatnot. And they yeah. are still able to, you know, give it to Henry and stay in the game that way. So if we're able to you know, actually put up touchdowns when we get to the red zone. Mm-hmm. I feel like that should bode well for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the nah. Bills would be – they'll be putting up touchdowns all day. I mean, just with that showing that they put out right now, they, they're as well though as any team in the NFL, and it's going to be really tough for Tennessee to slow them down. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if they put together a complete game. I mean, you look at that, that Rams game, wasn't quite as complete – but that second half was complete as it get, right? And they still mm-hmm. 
won by 21 with four turnovers. Now, if you take away those turnovers, it easily could have been that could have been super ugly. So yeah. if they can, you know, tone those turnovers down this week versus Tennessee and play their game. We know that yeah. it's going to be tough for defenses to really stop this high potent offense. It's going to be another track meet out there on Monday night. Yeah. It's going to be going crazy. The first time in Rube. Now, this is the first time that the Bills open up a home opener on Monday night. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting, man. Yeah, yeah. That, that Buffalo Bills crowd been waiting for something like this for a long time. Uh, while I played for the Bills, the rumor was that um, they didn't want to have any Monday night games or televised games because the Buffalo Bills crowd would be a little too crazy. Yeah, they do. They get crazy. They do. The Bills Mafia, man, they, they get they get nuts on Monday night. And yeah, this is like true. when the team is really good, that's when it gets really, really crazy with the fans. Yeah, yeah. They they take it to a – I think the Buffalo Bills Mafia really taking it to another level. You know, Carl, I watched this whole thing evolve. I came in in 95. I'm, I'm just right. a young guy. And they weren't even called the Bills Mafia, but I would call my family and tell them, I said, man, they are tailgating at least a week before the game. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it didn't matter who the Bills are playing. They could have been playing the Sisters of the Poor. The Bills fans were lined up asking for autographs at least a week before the game. Wow. Um, and it was an amazing thing for me as a player because I'm like, you only imagine that in college, you know, right, right. like that that type of environment. And I was telling the guys last week, that's what Buffalo offers a pro athlete. You show yeah. up, you're gonna you're gonna be like, whoa, wait a minute, did I take a yeah. back step back in time? Because it, the the community really gets in, involved that's in dope. it. You know, it, it's a cool thing. It's a really festive. No, absolutely. Time. It's a great environment, um, and I would honestly have to say it's definitely an environment where you know opposing fans really don't have to worry about any problems with the Buffalo Bills fans. They're probably going to offer you two or three shots. Yeah, now, yeah. Shots to drink, <laughs> not shots to the head. You know what I mean? That's about the only problem you're going to have in Buffalo. Can you have yeah. any booze? Um, because it's a great environment. It's good to see them. You know, in the driver's seat seat right now, and they're gonna be able to do that with you know some hard work <laughs> they put in to get to this point because there's been a lot of ups and downs for them. You know, Josh wasn't the guy that everybody thought at first. Are they actually people were questioning their choice with Josh when they right. initially got him, and then when Josh as Josh developed. It, he is a running guy, and they're afraid that he's going to get hit. You know, is he going to be hurt? But Josh, actually, and Mook, you guys can tell um, tell me, you could see steps in his maturation each year. He took one yeah. year, he would make a, a, a mistake, every, every interception. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, it's rare that you catch or watch an athlete develop in that way. I mean, sometimes they just spark it and you, they just got it. But you could actually see his steps of progression. And that's that's uh, 
a pat on the back to the organization because yeah. the quarterback is a delicate position to bring along and de develop. As you can see, Carl, right there in the Giants. The Giants have yeah. been working on that formula for some years now. Yeah. You, you know, the thing about Josh, um, he's got a little something different about him um, because, and I was talking to um, Coach Dabes here, and I said, Dabes, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, Josh is a dude that's got a lot of arm arrogance. Like, if he throws an interception, he don't think he made a mistake. He just think he didn't throw that fucker hard enough. Right. And, yeah. or, or, or soon enough. You know what I mean? Right, like, he, right. he's that guy, like, he doesn't get – he's not shy on confidence, right? And, yeah. and Coach Dabo's like, you're right. He's like, he – he does have arm arrogance. He's confident. Like, so, you know, let him operate. And they, you know, obviously this, the mark of a good coach is to refine a player's game so that he could be his best. Right. But not to take away the things that he's confident in. And so, um, you know, I guess his process is different, you know, with, you know, maturation as from rookie to where he is right now. But the one thing they never told him is to be afraid to throw a certain ball. Because, like, you look at him, man, it's like – he's like there's very few quarterbacks. Like, Brett Favre had arm arrogance, right? Like, yeah. you're not – he don't believe you can pick him off. Like, if, if you yeah. got it, it was something he didn't do, right? I didn't throw it soon enough. I didn't throw it hard enough, right? Right. Yeah. But um, the decision-making uh, of Josh has gotten better. But, like, you see every game, you see that arm arrogance somewhere where he challenges the defender. And having a guy like Stephon Diggs allows him to do that as well because he'll throw it somewhere yeah. and either your guy's getting it or nobody's getting it, right? So I, um, I have a question for, for uh, Mr. Banks and, and yeah, Mr. Brown. call me Carl, please. Okay. Um, so I am a proponent – of course, I, I'm only 27, right? I haven't been around a ton of time. But mm -hmm. um, Josh Allen, with his physical abilities, being able to throw the ball as hard as he can, as far as he can, as accurately as he can, having the intangibles, the athleticism. Um, and I, I guess his smarts doesn't necessarily go into what I'm about to ask, but I do think that is also a positive attribute for him. Do you guys think, or where would he rank for you guys? as the most physically gifted quarterback of all time because Chris Sims or no, it wasn't Chris Sims. It was Jordan Palmer said that he is the most physically gifted quarterback of all time, but you got your Elways and, you know, guys like that. So what would you guys say to, to something like that? I would say they're not wrong, but here's what I will say. Let's give him some time to create some distance between him and the rest of the pack or some, you know, some semblance. Mm -hmm to where he stands. We know he has um, generational type arm talent, right? And I call it arm arrogance, right? Um, but let's give it some time. Let's, uh, you know, of all time, let's give him some time to, to really show what he can do, right? Right now, he's a great player. It was no different than, you know, if I was playing with Joe Montana and um, John Elway, and Dan Marino, I knew they were all great. Um, as their careers went on, they were all time greats, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the moment, 
he's one of the greatest playing the game right now. Um, and probably greater than a lot of great quarterbacks before him, but we don't know where he is all time until he wraps this whole thing up. And hopefully that's not for another 10 years. All right, man. Carl, you said exactly what I was going to say. You know, we won't know until he's done. Um, And right now he's doing things that we can project what we think he, where he may sit. But until he's done, you yeah. know, we won't know. But he's good to go right now. And being good yeah. to go right now is all he needs to be. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and the later stuff will take care of itself, you know. Yeah. John Lee, he John Lee Hooker used to say, nothing but the best and later with the garbage, you know. So exactly. <laughs> it's it, it's right now and he's doing it now and he looks like he's on the right track to me. Yeah. You know, yeah, you played against the best, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the Bills did a phenomenal job with his development. And I don't think an organization has ever done this type of work with a franchise quarterback. Um, you can't even put Peyton Manning in this because he was already trained to He's go before he set foot up yeah. in Indy. Yeah. Um, when you talk about a guy that some from a small school, uh, they, you know, get drafted in the top 10, and, you know, there mm-hmm. were some flaws that Josh needed to work on. Uh, you know, coming out of college, he did have a strong arm, but pretty much that was it. But when you get draw comparisons to Cam Newton, you see the potential right away that that could visually happen. So what do the Bills go and do? Uh, they know that Josh struggled with his short and intermediate accuracies coming out of college. So that was something that they wanted to work on. They brought mm-hmm. in uh, Cole Beasley, a guy who could operate underneath a technician underneath that can get open for Josh. They brought in uh, John Brown, a guy that can stretch the defense. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders, a guy that can run in all the routes. And then obviously they brought the the alpha dog in and Stefan Diggs. Um, so when you look at that development in the first couple of years, other than throwing bombs to Robert Foster, the Bills kind of like went away from throwing deep the past mm-hmm. couple of years. And I wonder why did they do that? But it was working more or less on Josh short to intermediate. So when you look at it now in its entirety of what Josh was able to put together Thursday night and everybody just kept saying, hey, the maturation process or how he just takes what the defense gives you. And now he's taking those shots up top one on one Mm -hmm. with Gabe Davis and and taking those shots deep to, to Stephon Diggs. It's really going to pose a problem because now this quarterback can hit you from anywhere accurately. The Bills have fixed those problems, and now that problem has became an issue with the rest of the league. So they did a yep. phenomenal job with his development. Absolutely. And I don't know if if Dable could bring that out in Daniel Jones. I watched that game, and I do see how they plan to use him in that manner because Daniel Jones is a mobile guy. You know, he can he can he can extend plays with his legs and he can run for first downs as well. Um, I did see Dave will do a couple of plays that he took from the Bills with the little orbit motion, though it to the guy. He, he looked like he was <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. ball, but I guess nobody was open. So yeah. he had to eat it and run with it. I think it was Kadarius Tony they did that. Yeah, play. Kadarius Tony, yeah. So uh, you know, he's took a few pieces, you know, some of his plays that he used in Buffalo and definitely used them in New York and and and, and hey to much success, uh, you know, with those guys. But, uh, Carl, can this team, you know, with that victory on uh, Sunday, can this team contend for NFC East title? You know what? Um, as my old coach Bill Parcells says, that's just one in a row. 
You know, don't get too ahead of yourself. <laughs> I love you know, it. Next week is a yes, different man. animal. I so um, I, I, I think we're a long ways from having that discussion because uh, we don't really know what the NFC East is. The Giants well, are doing their part. Theoretically, um, though, like Cowboys didn't look good. The Eagles, uh, they don't necessarily have a quarterback yet. And the Commanders, I don't believe in them at all. Theoretically, <laughs> do you think they could do it? Listen, they were all bunched up last year up like That's by true. Thanksgiving. Nobody yeah. there was no clear winner of the division. So um it's anything's possible, but like I said, it's just one in a row. So let's not get ahead. You know, let's right. see what they really are. Um, you know, because at some point you get into games where your your game plan could be great, but your talent won't allow you. To, to you know, to to come out victorious, and there are a few of those on the schedule. But like, mm-hmm. as long as they're fighting in their weight class right now, um, and I think Tennessee they punched above their weight and they they were able to to win that. Carolina this week, I think, is in their weight class. So let's see how they they do there. Um, and you know, then we can have a conversation like at week four or five when we see what the rest of the division is doing. But as long as they're winning. Um, they have an opportunity to, um, to, to, you know, to win the division, but shit, they won four games last year and up into Thanksgiving, they were still in the conversation of winning the division. So, you know, let's see what happens. Do you believe in Daniel Jones? Like, do you believe he could potentially be the franchise quarterback? Yeah, I do. I do. I think, um, what we saw Sunday was a guy who was, in my opinion, he was very robotic, um, just doing things not to make mistakes. He had a rough offseason. Everybody, you know, the entire world was down on him. And, you know, he just, you know, you could look and see that he wasn't uh, playing with his full confidence, but he was playing with the confidence in the game plan, but not really operating – within his own constitution, if you will. Um, so, he, you know, he made good decisions with the football with the exception of the interception, but you could tell he wasn't free-flowing. He didn't, you know, he he's not confident. And then he, you know, he took some shots in the game because the guard position uh, didn't hold up. And so I don't think he wanted to make mistakes. He was playing not to make mistakes, but um, I think once he settles into to this offense, He's he can be the guy. I don't know um, how they how Joe Shane thinks of him compared to what's coming out um, out of college. But right now, you know, if he if he has a great a great run here, he'll be fine. Well, Fred, speaking, of, Buffalo, speaking of that, speaking of uh, that great run, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, Justice, but in that great run. Um, how much of that great run is going to lie on the shoulders of Saquon Barkley? And how much um, how much pressure does Barkley take off of Daniel Jones? Um, well, a run game will take a lot off of the, the plate of a quarterback because it, it just forces defenders to have to, to defend two phases of the game and then a third phase with a quarterback who can run. Um, but his success, listen, they've got – between Mike Kafka and uh, Brian Dable, they got some of the most gifted play callers in the sport. And so um, they're going to give them 
every opportunity to have success. You know, if you look at the first half of the game, it seems like they were probing around to see what worked. And then, you know, a few Saquon runs happened. And we know Dabo has always been accused of not being, not wanting to run the football. Running the ball, yeah. But they, yeah. they started off the second half feeding Saquon and they ran the offense through him. Um, that could be a different story on any given weekend if they see something that they like offensively. I've been critical of him over the years. Everyone knows I'm I'm a hardcore run believer, you know, and I really believe that's the aspect of the game that the offensive coordinators really forget to implement because it's very effective in securing a win for you, setting up all your pass plays and everything. Now, I'm not naive to know that the game has changed to the point where passes are practically run plays. Right. You know what I mean? But you have to commit to them and commit to guys that actually run the ball, get the ball to those guys and they run with it opposed yes. to, you know, some some setup things with running your quarterback and say, oh, I'm fine with that. But yeah, specific guys you drafted, running backs, they still yeah, exist. And some, and some are pretty good <laughs> at it if you give them yeah. a chance. Throw yeah. them the ball. They can they could catch and run with that yeah. run with that yeah. ball. And if you don't have those guys, you probably shouldn't have them. But right. um you know, I've been very critical of him and his commitment to the run and all coaches in the NFL right now. Uh, just there, just a touch. Give the people how effective is a good running game? And, and, and how difficult does it make a defender to defend the offense? Well, I'll be honest with you. In today's um NFL because the players are smaller, right? And mm -hmm. every team they they build their personnel based on uh how to defend the pass, right? right? So I think you know linebackers are really gonna become safeties Safety. in the next yeah, year. Or so going right now. So yeah. when you Brian get smaller players on the field, your running game could be even more effective in today's NFL if you use it correctly because it's just smaller guys on the, on the field. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. I'm, we're going to sit down and wrap one day. I'm going yeah, to sure. chill your ear sure. off. Like all my friends, like go talk to somebody else about running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm usually the guy talking about running the ball. Is, is that true for effective. all offensive linemen? I know that's like a stigma that you guys really like to run the ball. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's just me, <laughs> you know, I'm just over, I grew up loving running backs and running yeah. the running game. You know, I'm from the day of Earl Campbell, you know, um, Walter Payton, all of these guys, you know, that, yeah. that's Tony Dorsett's, you know, my guy. So, yeah. you know, is that Dickerson? Um, is that that time as well? Carl, who was, who was some of your, your premier running backs is a young guy you looked at um well i played against most of the guys <laughs> yeah. like tony yeah. dorsett um i caught earl campbell at the end right. but like my era and then i had billy sims uh -huh. and then you know um eric dickerson roger craig barry sanders um i Thurman Thomas. So I had a I had an era of really great running backs and quarterbacks. 
in, in the time that I played. John Riggins. Yeah, John Riggins. Is Franco Harrison that era? No, Franco no, was done but, by the time I came in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before. But, uh, you know, that's I'm not just that. I know it's easy for offensive linemen. We always talk about running the ball because we know how tough it is to get us up there and battle yeah. with these defensive linemen. I mean, uh, Carl, you, you rush the passer from time to time, and you know – that uh you know you get a big 300 pounds to step it backwards you you automatically have an advantage yeah yeah so running the football gives the offensive linemen the advantage especially on pass plays because you know you've been pounding the guy enough that now he's got to worry about getting hit again yeah and also you know i don't think a lot of people or People watching and listening understand the effectiveness of an offense when they start moving really fast on a defense. Yeah. yeah. You know, what are some things that start going to your mind? Because it, it could wear you out physically, number one. Well, it, that's the thing. It, it, it physically wears you, but then that's when the mental mistakes come too because, you, you know, it's like, when a team goes hurry up, it limits what your defensive personnel can do in terms of substitution, but it also limits the type of plays you can call. And once, you know, once an offense is going, like I would say, for instance, um, just relative to my era, the K-Gun offense, right? And then you guys had um, Peyton Manning's, whatever they call that, mm -hmm. hurry up offense. But like that K-Gun offense, you got two calls, right? And they yeah. got their whole playbook. Right. And so because you can't get your personnel changed until a timeout is called. And so they're just going and going and going. And so you got two, maybe three calls that you can go to, but you got to defend everything that they do. And, not, and you know all calls are not good for yeah. <laughs> for everything. So if you got... If you in two coverages, one front, it ain't gonna hold up against everything, especially when they just pounding you with it. So yeah. um, that that really does give you an advantage um, from a um, from a personnel standpoint. Offenses can do a lot more in a hurry up. And they're Absolutely. definitely more effective when the unit has been together for a while. You know, yes. young, inexperienced offense, it's very difficult because that three and out is it's not good you know no. you do a hurry up situation you go three and out and you have the defense sitting over there wrestling chomping at the bit like that yeah let's do another three <laughs> you know <Yeah>, exactly <laughs> let's exactly do some more threes but where the old line is like no we we'd rather do 12. <laughs> you know exactly we'd rather do 13 opposed to that yeah so a young team is that's really difficult for them yeah. to implement and it it, it it takes some time and some cohesiveness to be mm -hmm. built before you can really pull that off effectively i i set that up a little bit because i wanted you to mention the k-gun so yeah <laughs> -gun was speaking of that k-gun though speaking of that yeah. k-gun hey Back in that time, in, in, in 91 Super Bowl 25, the Bills did have the number one offense, high power scoring offense, averaging 30 some odd points a game. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the, the 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 Hall of Fame, you know, coach of all time, and Bill Belichick was the DC. 
What was that actual game plan for Super Twenty Super Bowl Twenty Five to stop that high powered K gun? Because nobody um, could do what you guys were able to do in that. Super you know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, 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 come on, let's get to the good stuff. You know, what everybody in Buffalo. Happened? You know oh, thank God you're back because you know, everybody in Buffalo got to hear this. <laughs> no, I was this. saying, you know, I'll take you back to that, um, that first meeting, um, pre, pre Super Bowl when, um, Bill Belichick told us that in order to win the game, Thurman Thomas has got to get 100 yards rushing. Right. And we thought, you know, because we were a prideful defense and we were like, no, we ain't giving 100 yards to nobody. Right. And like Bill's like, no, you have to get he if he if if he gets 100 yards rushing, then their offense is not doing what they've been doing for the last eight weeks of the of the season. So, you know, Bill started to started the meeting like that. And then he said, um. He said, you know, in scouting an opponent, you normally take four games because that's a tendency. He said, but we went back eight games and now it's a trend, meaning they had one run to Thurman Thomas, which was a draw play and everything else was a swing pass. It was part of their passing game. So Mm -hmm. a pass to Thurman was their outside run. So he said, he said he doubts very seriously if they're going to get away from that. So we have to put personnel on the field uh, to defend that. And then that's when he got into, we started looking at the film, the Raiders game, where they whooped the dog crap out of the Raiders, 45 zip or something, and it was a, it was a track race. But we, we found out, like, they were moving faster. You know how you get the cut-ups of film? Yeah. And um, the coach's tape, you could get one angle, but by the time they got to the next play, they were already in it before the camera was set. So we literally had to study one angle, coach's tape, and the other angle was the TV feed. So we had somebody record the the game on TV, and we got the network copy because the network has so many other cameras. So we were able to catch everything they were doing. They were going like that, right? Yeah. So um, with all the crossing stuff that they did uh, with Andre, and then, you know, you had Loft and Deep. What we, what Bill said, look, we will not, by the time we get to our pass drops, the ball is gone already. So he says, we're going to line up, and we're going to line up where we're going to be pre-snap, we're going to put two linemen in the game um, and everybody else, we're going to line up off the ball. And when they start crossing, we hit them. We want to be in position as they catch the ball running across our defense. Because if you line up and just try to drop out, the ball is going to be caught and they're going to be behind you. So our goal was just to to line up. Um, We had two down linemen. We had two outside rushers. But everybody else was off the ball, just waiting for that the crossing routes, and we just wanted yeah. to pound their receivers, um, and to submission if we could. Like we tried to beat, the, we tried to kill them. <laughs> but and we were so happy that Marv Levy didn't wake up 
and and right. start running the ball more. I think Thurman ended up with like a hundred yards. Right. But if they'd have run the ball, we didn't have an answer for it because we didn't have the personnel on the field. Right to do it. Like yeah. the personnel that we played then is probably would be great in today's game, you know. <laughs> but it was like they were just so fast. But the thing about that game was they played as good as we did, right? Right. Um, and it, it was the tale of two kicks, to be honest with you. Our punter, Sean Landetta, um, on their last drive of the game, if he hits a bad punt, they're winning this yeah. game because it's a closer kick. Yeah. Um, and then their kicker obviously didn't have the range for for um, that particular kick. But, you know, as, that, as they lined up, I'm saying to myself, and I'm sure every man on the field, both sides of the football, probably said if he go if this goes in they deserve it because it was just that type of game and like they fought us you know tooth and nail we had a game plan um we were able to hold the rope just long enough you know um but that was shit that was one of the the most talented teams in the hardest game i've ever played in because they were just so hard to defend because from a talent perspective on both sides of the football, you didn't you didn't see that. You just didn't yeah. see that week to week. That like one side would be good and the other side would be just okay. They were good yeah. both sides of the football. So um yeah, like if that if that kick went in, you tip your hat because yeah. like they played their ass off and they and they they earned the right to be there. Um we had a game plan. I I, I don't want to say we're lucky we 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 did what we had to do, you yeah. know, um, both sides of the ball. And then, like I said, to tell the two kickers, our yeah. punter hits a great punt and their kicker has one that's just not accurate enough. But it, the distance was, you know, if he had five, if our kicker kicked the ball five yards shorter right, and they run their same offense, they win the game. And we stopped – they run the same amount of plays, and we stopped them at the exact number right. of plays. They win the game because it's a closer kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah game of absolutely. inches, man. That was yeah. one of the greatest games I ever watched in my life. Absolutely, I love man. it. You know, it's awesome. I mean, I know you have a great feeling for winning and being a part of it because so yeah. many great, great athletes. And like you said, it's rare when you play in a, on a – team in a game in particular that you neck and neck y'all yeah. fight to the end you know yeah. that is in, in those are the games that you probably i i myself i get i'm most fond of those games when yeah dog fight to the end and, well that was know. kansas city buffalo yeah that was the same type <laughs> of game yeah 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 definitely so yeah. uh 13 seconds 13 seconds carl you on defense what what is Belichick telling you guys in 13 seconds in that time? Man, listen, I don't yeah. want to get Leslie Frazier <laughs> in trouble with the fans. I think I think Leslie knows too. Um, hindsight is 2020, but you don't let the um, top tight end in the league. Uh, you don't you don't let the top tight end in the league run down the seam untouched. 
Like you, that that is the backbreaker there of that entire drive. Like you got to line up somebody on him and jam him at the line of scrimmage. Just thirteen seconds. Who you think they're gonna go to? And see that was look again. Let me let me preface this by saying. <laughs> Leslie Frazier is a hell of a defensive coordinator. Yes, sir. And I would play for him any day. Um, but everybody has their moments. And this is me speaking. He could probably tell me I can, I can go kick rocks because he saw something different. But here's what I do know, and I, I know a little bit about it. Um, the drive starter for the Kansas City Chiefs was not Tyreek Hill. Anytime they needed a play or needed to start a drive, it ran through the tight end. Yes. You yes. can't ignore that. When 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 it's money time, um, and they need to get something going to get closer, it ain't Tyreek Hill. You go back and look at it. It runs through Jason Kelsey. They doing it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're doing it now. It ain't so you, you put it more on Leslie Frazier as opposed to Sean McDermott, who's also a defensive coach. I don't know. I said Leslie Frazier because he carries the title of defensive coordinator. And I'm not, listen, I'm not putting it on anybody. It's my observation. Right. Right. <laughs> so if, if I'm Leslie Frazier, I am, I am jamming the tight end. I am not letting Kelsey run free untouched for 15 yards. It's just because it defies like, Every team has tendencies, right? And when you go back and look at Kansas City, everything run. They start their drives. When they need a play, it's the tight end. You know, the cherry on top is those wide receivers. That's the fun stuff. But that tight end moves the ball up and down the field for them. And so when you need one, yeah, you know, they they sprinkle the eye candy of, of Tyreek Hill or covered across, covered across. You can do two things at the same time. You can cover the cross, but somebody's got to jam Kelsey and pay him some attention. You just can't let him just run. So, um, if you know, it's it's Sean, it's 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 um, Leslie. Um, it's just my observation. I think it's a pretty educated uh, one that if you asked them if they would cover Kelsey in hindsight, they'd probably tell you, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. They that damn sure he's gonna be covered this year when they yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and got Tyree Kill no more. They better come. Listen, up. but yeah. this is the thing though. You gotta look at this. Kansas City did not make one bit of fuss by Tyreek Hill leaving. They didn't. No. Everybody no. else in the NFL, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Kansas City ain't take a peek because they know that ain't they, you know, bread right. and butter. Bread right. and butter is Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, good passing it to that tight end. That's bread and butter. Yeah, that's like eye All formation. Day. Eye, All eye day. formation. Count on it. So, yeah. Oh man, Carl, I can't, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out and spending. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me, man. Oh, this is beautiful. It's been an hour. You know, we're working on trying to keep doing this, and we look to have you back soon. Hey, you listen, know, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm more than honored, and be, I'd love to come back. But, you know, when we when we close out our Believe podcast, you know, Bob Pop and I do Believe in Giants, we always end it with tell a friend to tell a friend. So tell a mafia friend to tell a mafia friend to tune in to you guys. 
Word, Without man. a doubt, man. You know, we big blue over here. And hopefully uh, we can get that rematch. You know what I mean? Giants and Bills. You know, That'd be battle fun. for New York. Battle for uh, New York. I love it. You know, <laughs> that man, would be fun. Uh, your impressions on this Buffalo Bills team and what do you think they're suing is this year? Um, My impressions is that, you know, the all the predictions, the hype is real. And I don't think you know, um, projecting them as a, a Super Bowl participant and champion is is a reach. They are that good. Yeah, there you have it. There you have it. Answer your question, Mr. Hawkins. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I don't have, I'll, I'll definitely be on the Believe in Giants podcast, you know, a few times sure enough. just to give you the spill. I hope I was accurate enough for you. Uh, when you have you on about Joe Shane and, and, and Brian. Oh, Daniels. man, that was great insight. That's why I reached out, man, and it began uh, the beginning of a great friendship, man. We found out right, we got right. some friends in common out of Buffalo, so it's all good, uh, all fellas. Right. So I, I appreciate you having me, man. And again, right. uh, to everybody out here uh, in Bill's land, looking at this, tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. And one more tidbit: Brian Dable was born and your favorite sports contests, events with first to market odds and lines. Now you can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live games, betting props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device, join today, and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. And that's not 50 points that the Bills is going to put up this week versus Tennessee. That is BELIEVE50 <laughs> to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And that's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. So that's our uh, you know show for today. And once again, can you get us a prediction before you get up out of here, Kyle? Giants in Tennessee, I mean, Bills in Tennessee, Giants and Panthers before you go, please. I got the Bills over Tennessee and uh, Giants Carolina. I, I like the Giants' chance. They're fighting, like I said, they're they're fighting in their weight class. I think I like their chances. Definitely, yeah, I like their chances too. Right. I'm definitely rolling with the Giants. Uh, you know, I definitely got a team in the NFC now to root for, and my the man. Giants is definitely in that team. So hopefully, my boy Dave's could be two and zero and uh, yeah. get that thing rolling, guys. So hey, everybody, be safe. Appreciate uh, you guys. Not hate, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Believe in Bills. Appreciate you guys. One love. One love. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.